podcast one production. Work used to be a place that we just went to for eight hours a day and came home and we lived when we weren't at the office. Now I think people want to live all the time. I'm Margie Hartley, executive coach to senior leaders around the globe, as well as 11 of the top ASX listed companies. And this is Fast Track. Today, we discuss how to do well by doing good with my guest, Shirley Chowdhury. She's the CEO of the Goods O'Loughlin Foundation. In a study of over 300,000 employees in the USA, it was discovered that by giving back, employees were happier, more productive, and controversially, it's claimed had better mental health. It's the old adage you've heard, in giving we receive. That seems counterintuitive to go to work and then to volunteer. So today we're going to fast track the idea of how we can do well by doing good with Shirley Chowdhury. Shirley is the CEO of the Goods O'Loughlin Foundation or the Go Foundation. It's a not-for-profit organisation that creates opportunities for Indigenous youth through education. Shirley, you started your career as a lawyer in New York and then worked in Asia at JP Morgan before focusing your attention on working with not-for-profit boards and teams. So we know that commercial organisations give back because it's good for their brand, but if we aren't being cynical, it actually also means that it's good for their people and their culture. Can you tell me your thoughts, Shirley? You know, Margie, I have a really strong view that organisations that are making a profit or doing business in a community, in a country or a city, have an obligation, an imperative to improve the community in which they're operating. And I think people these days want to feel more connected. They want to feel connected to their work. You know, work used to be a place that we just went to for eight hours a day and came home and we lived when we weren't at the office. Now I think people want to live all the time. And so that connection at work to something deeper, to doing good, is really, really important. It reminds me of something Hugh Mackay was saying, which is around that our centre of our community used to be the church and we don't have that anymore. And it also used to be schools and that's much more dissipated in urban environments and that work is the place that we connect with others the most. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, you know, if we look at how many hours we each spend at work compared to hours we spend with our family even, Mm. it's so much greater. So this idea of an obligation, that's a big word for an organisation, a commercial imperative, I think you said. Can you explain that a little bit more for me? Yeah, you know, I think it used to be that we, um, for organ up for companies that had to create shareholder value and create profit for their shareholders, it was okay in the past, you know, in the 50s and 60s to just make money. That was what companies did. Now I think we have to start thinking more broadly, and a lot of companies have started to do this, think about how they can do the right thing and what does doing the right thing mean, not just by their shareholders, but by their staff and by their customers and by the community in which they operate. Well, I think the Banking Royal Commission has actually talked about this community responsibility quite a lot, and that's at one extreme. Have you got some examples of where you've seen this done really well, where an organisation really connects with something meaningful 
Look, I see it in the companies that work with the Go Foundation. So we say to organisations when they ask us, you know, how can they work with us? What packages do we have that they can fit into? Our response is always, what do your employees want? And do your employees want to engage in volunteerism? Do they want to raise funds? Do they want to work in advocacy or policy? Do they want to go out and um, donate their time to different causes? Because that's what's really important. It's cre- it goes back to creating that connection again. Is it commercially viable though? So if I'm in a small business and I want to give back, is that going to be commercially viable? Yeah, absolutely. How's that? Explain. Well, I don't think it's just about money. I don't think it's just about donate. Donating is the easiest thing that you can do in some ways, you know, just donate a certain amount of profits or a certain amount each year. That's not really what's going to drive the difference and drive the connection. I think it's about um, more and more companies these days provide opportunities to their employees to um, volunteer a day a year or go out and serve food at a homeless shelter or at a soup kitchen. Um, that's what I'm talking about. That's That still allows it to be commercially viable. Okay. So I know that some teams will go out for one day and do something or weed a garden or give back in different ways. So is that still okay? Is that enough? Oh, look, I think enough is more a question for each company to determine and employees to determine how much they want to do. But imagine if every ASX listed company did that. Like that's a huge um, bonus to the NFP sector, to the people who spend their lives doing good. So we talk about organisation benefits, so the commercial viable, you've given a really great case for that. These ideas of personal benefits, I was reading about this and it really surprised me. Can you tell me your thought beyond connection, which is, as we know, an important part of human flourishing, what are the other personal benefits to giving back? I think mental health and well-being. That surprises me. Really? Yeah, I just it's come up quite a bit about mental health and the studies, but there's such a strong correlation between giving back and raised levels of mental well-being. I think the truth is we all want to feel like we're doing something good and something positive and the studies are clear that if you are connected to a cause that is bigger than yourself, It makes you feel better. It puts the right hormones through your body. It makes you feel happier and more connected. And these days, you know, we live in a society, I have teenage kids like you, and we live in a society where everything is so transient. You know, everything's social media and a like here and a dislike there and and that opportunity for connections, deeper connections and feeling like you are actually improving the world in which we live are so few and far between. It makes sense to me that it helps your mental health and well-being. The other thing that I think it does, and I, I've often challenged some of the teams that I work with in the big towers here who hop back in their car in the car park at the end of the day. It's a lovely car and they drive not far away to their lovely homes and they're serving customers that are outside of that small bubble, that it actually helps deliver a perspective on life as a bigger as a bigger picture. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think there are a lot of people in these high-rise buildings working for big organisations that have very little understanding or empathy for some of the customers of their products. People who don't have money for food on Thursday in the house anymore, who are really struggling for the pair of sneakers that they need to buy their children or 
can't take their kids to the movies anymore because it costs $100. I think there's a disconnect sometimes between people selling those products and the people buying them. And doing good in the community, as, as you called it, or going out and engaging with community on all different levels helps build that, bridge that distance. And again, coming back to Hugh Mackay's work, obviously I love He's talking about an anxious society now and how uh, 40% of us identify with a level of anxiety that's unhealthy. And he says the only antidote, the perfect antidote, is connection within a community. And that can be at work and also outside of work. I love that. Really powerful, really powerful. So I'm actually working in my local community with a council to talk to them about how we get deeper and better connections. Um, And I think that's, you know, simple things like gardens and ways that you can actually work with lonely people in your community. But Shirley, let's take the Go Foundation as an example of a type of organisation, a not-for-profit, that corporates could work with. So what's the aim of Go? So the Go Foundation provides scholarships to Indigenous students from kindergarten through to university. But the scholarship is just the entry point to a broader ecosystem of support and mentoring and opportunities, access to opportunities that we give our students. The research shows that you can throw as much money as you wanted a student, but there's no guarantee then of completion or of success. What we've done is turned that scholarship model on its head a little bit and used the financial scholarship as the starting point and then we provide a range of opportunities to our kids through our corporate partnerships in a way that makes totally aligns to their business model. For example, when our kids need to do work experience in year 10, you and I would have a range of networks that we can connect our kids to for that work experience opportunity. Our Indigenous students don't always have that. They don't grow up with the role models in their lives who are scientists or teachers or plumbers or electricians or whatever it is that the child's interested in. So we can provide that network and our corporates provide work experience, graduate employment opportunities, leadership training, STEM training, access to speakers. Our kids last year during the marriage equality debate got to go and see Magda Zubanski talk about marriage equality. And for some of them, it blew their minds. Like they they didn't even realise that there were people out there like that advocating. So the businesses that work with you, what are some of the things that they might do to connect with Go? We start with the question of what do your employees want? And so it's a range of things. It's volunteerism, it's donating their skills, IT skills or admin skills or HR skills. It's providing work experience and internship opportunities. It's providing access to guest speakers. It's providing opportunities to uh, hear about STEM in the workplace. It's a whole range of things, but it's, it's what that business already does and they're just opening the doors to a different cohort. I'm really, Shirley, deeply interested in your personal story and how you've gone from being a corporate lawyer to the CEO of a not-for-profit organisation and how the motivation to work with Go came about. I'd been a lawyer for almost 20 years and had on the side always worked in community, so I'd volunteered my time in a range of different ways. And I got to the point where the role I was in didn't allow for that anymore. It was tra- it was a transactional role. It was bums on seats for 14 hours a day. 
there wasn't uh, an appreciation of what that other community work gave people in terms of mental health and well-being. And I started to feel disconnected and started to feel like I was I was working in a bank and didn't feel like I was connected to my purpose or community or a greater purpose. And so I started looking for something. And I had a series of amazing women in my life who acted as mentors and sponsors. And through discussions with them um, and serendipity, I ended up where I am. So a lot of my clients will say that they'd love to work for -for not-for-profit, but it's financially not viable for them in whatever the situation is because they can't afford to live off the pay, which is inevitably a lot less. Um, Have you got any suggestions for them as they would like to be better connected? That's such a hard one. I think um, make the jump earlier, (laughs) you know, because I think the pay discrepancy is probably greater at the upper echelons of, of corporate and NFP. At the lower lower levels, I'm not sure there's a huge disparity. I think that's a bit of a fallacy. Um, I think there's lots of ways you can get involved in not-for-profits without giving up your day job. You know, we talked about that before. And, you know, we all have to make financial decisions. We all need enough money to live. I think I saw it all the time. I'm sure you saw it, Margie. You see people, you know, their pay goes up and up and up. And as their pay goes up, their obligations go up. And all of a sudden, the mortgage that they used to have is 10 times bigger and they can't afford to leave. I think that's something that we all just need to be conscious of. I like that because I often hear the more you make, the more you spend. Yes. The bigger your life. And actually, where's the purpose and the meaning and the connection which you're talking about? Yeah, and then you get locked into something that Mm. maybe you don't want to be locked into. Mm. Um, And then it's sort of almost too late to change in some ways, which is what you said there. So I'd love to know a little bit more about the Go Foundation and some of the people that you work with, some of the corporates. Have you got an example of one of your favourite sponsors? Look, usually I don't talk about our sponsors, oh. but I think um, there's one who I know they'd be they'd be happy for me to talk about. I think all our organisations that we work with are on different um, parts of their journey in terms of reconciliation and working with communities and fulfilling that higher purpose. One of the organisations that does it really well is GHD, the professional services company. They have regional offices all over Australia and are deeply connected to community, but not just community, but to Indigenous community. They feel very strongly that they have a part to play in that journey towards reconciliation. And we've got lots of organisations that that do it and um, do it well, you know, from law firms through to professional consulting companies. And we've got other organisations that are just starting that journey and working with Go to understand more about what they can do. And what's the big vision for Go in the years to come? What are, what are we looking to see happen? Go has three overarching missions. The first is um, obviously scholarship. If you look across Australia, there are 213,000 Indigenous students from kindergarten through to year 12. Of those, 15% are at independent or Catholic schools, which leaves about 180,000. Those 180,000, there's probably, give or take, between 60 and 80,000 that need the kind of support that GO can provide. That is so many individuals in the education system. Yeah, it is, but it's, you know, on one hand, it's dreadful. It's dreadful that those kids need the kind of support that we give. You know, they go to the 
to the schools that are in the lowest SES brackets that can't provide computers and Wi-Fi. You know, when we were at school, if you had pen and paper, you could do your homework. Our kids now say that even if they want to go to school 100% of the time, they go to school on day one, they're the same as everyone else. They go home, they fall behind because they don't have the tools they need to do the work that they have to do. Day two, they turn up to school. Now they're getting in trouble for not doing the work that they were supposed to do. But it's beyond their control. They've got no way that they could have done it. The schools can't afford to give them laptops. Often the schools don't have Wi-Fi after hours. So they're in this awful bind. What we do is provide the access to Wi-Fi and laptops and that sort of thing. So going back to that 180,000 and the 80,000 that need our help, there is not a scholarship program in town at the moment that's really making a dent into that 80,000 when we talk about Indigenous kids. So on that measure, until GOES providing 10,000 scholarships, really, we're not, we're not changing the system. We think we can do that in years to come. Let's say 10, 15 years, we can do that. But then we started thinking about how else can we make a change to the system today, whether we have one student or 10,000 students, because I've got an amazing board and they're not willing to wait 10 years to make a difference. So we talked about how we can do it today and the answer is, and we think that it's a really good answer because our corporates have responded really positively to it, is by taking the perspective of our Indigenous students and feeding it back into the corporates we work with. So I'll tell you what, I'll give you kind of my view on what that means. Our students are telling us that when they go into corporate Australia, they have to make a choice between taking their authentic selves with them or fitting into the corporate. You know, for example, corporates uh, celebrate Indigenous culture during Reconciliation Week and NAIDOC Week. Many corporates, the rest of the year, it just goes into a bottom drawer and we don't think about it again. We have such a rich history and culture to share in this country. And if we can find a way to embed that into our organisations well and create a truly culturally safe and inclusive workplace, then that's changing the system. That's moving us all on a journey to a better future. So that's our second mission. And then the third mission is um, to make that journey through school much more enjoyable and rich and rewarding for our kids because our research shows that if they can get to further education and complete further education, they're empowered to change their own outcomes. It's not about closing the gap or, you know, making them feel like they're less than and we're going to fix it for them. It's about actually giving them the tools to change their own futures I have to say, Shirley, my mental well-being is going up just doing this interview <laughs> and hearing what a difference you're making in and and being so passionate about it. But especially this idea of changing the system as well as helping the individual. And I really like that because corporates have an extraordinary power in our communities and an opportunity. Shirley, how would you suggest people organisationally or individually can get involved? What are some of those steps that you can do? I think there's a range of things, Margie. I think, you know, on one level, you can introduce your organisation to companies like Go or other companies doing um, things that your organisation resonates with. On an individual level, it's everything from volunteerism to giving time, donating money. It's not walking past the homeless person on the corner of, of the street and having a conversation or buying them a coffee or it's making that connection at every level and at every opportunity you get to make it. It's not walking past something that you're not willing to accept. So the ability to 
raise the levels of awareness both for yourself and your organisation and to discover and connect with those ways of doing good, uh, educating others. It's really about this symbiotic relationship between connecting into others through your organisation and being able to give of your time. So remember, make good choices. Help yourself um, by finding perspective and fulfilment by doing good to do well. Fast Track is recorded in the studios of Podcast One Australia. The producer is Brooke Carrigan, audio production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au.